Have you ever had a moment where you were sitting around and you were pondering and you thought to yourself, I wonder. Or maybe you were sitting there and pensively staring at the ceiling and you went, hmm. Well, I was thinking about some moments like that. And so I wanted to share with you some of my wonderings and my ponderings shared through music. Did you ever notice that when you blow in the dog's face, he gets mad at you? But when you take him on a car ride, he sticks his head out the window? Hmm. Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Why can't women put on mascara with their mouth closed? What do people in China call their good plates? You'll get that in a minute. Why is the man who invests all of our money called a broker? Why is the third hand on a watch called the second hand? And finally, why can't women put on mascara without opening their mouth? Things that make you wonder. I wonder why you're not clapping. That was some funny stuff, okay? Come on now. That's my best shot at any kind of performance right there, okay? There are things in life that aren't so important that we wonder about. And there are times in life when uh, we truly have a different kind of wonder moment where everything changes. The game changes in your life. A perspective uh, change happens, a change of mind, a different way of looking at something. And so some of you maybe who are uh, moms and dads in this room, especially you dads, because I can identify with you the most. If you don't know me, we have... Uh, four kids who are four and under. Our oldest is four and our youngest is four months. And uh, yeah, I know you're wondering right now, uh, do they know what causes that? Yes, we do. Okay. But we have four kids, four and under. And uh, I know that this, this moment has happened for me four times and some of you dads will be able to relate. Uh, you come home and uh, like I did one night from uh, somewhere and I came home, wife was already in bed and uh, she didn't want to see my reaction. And so uh, on the floor, she spelled out in Cheerios, I am pregnant. And in that moment, it was like, wow, everything changed. It was a moment of wonder in that moment. Some of you can remember uh, riding with one of your parents in the car, and you were watching them drive, and you're like, oh, I wonder what it would be like just to hit the open road and actually be able to drive myself. And my four-year-old's already asking him, will I be able to drive when I'm five? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> I wonder if we should take his kids away. Um, so we, uh, we have these moments in life, and maybe you're, you're riding in the vehicle with your parent, and you, you see the fire truck pass by, and you have that, that moment of wonder, like, could I? Could I be a fireman? Or you see on television the space shuttle uh, rocketing into outer space, and 
going to the moon, going to see all of these uh, wonderful things out in outer space, and you, you think to yourself, wow, I, I wonder if, if I could do something like that, if I, if I could do something so significant. And for others of you, you know, you, you remember that first time that you got out of the car and you were with your mom and you're just a little girl and you're walking by and all of a sudden you're walking in the mall and you see all the shoes for the first time. I wonder what it would be like to have a closet full of those shoes. And so we have these wonder kind of moments that change us. And it could be the first time maybe that you saw her walk into the room. And I saw Mindy in seventh grade wearing a dark blue dress with light blue flowers. And I still remember it because it was a moment of wonder and awe. I wonder what it would be like if she gave me a chance. I wonder what it would be like to have a conversation with her. And as you continue on that journey, I wonder what it would be like to spend our lives together. And you had that relationship moment where it was just a moment where everything changed from that point forward. It was a moment of wonder. And today my prayer for these moments together is that we in this room, us as individual people and us collectively as a church, that we would have a moment in here where we could truly wake the wonder. Wake the wonder of what could be, and maybe even what should be. I mean, when we're talking about wonder, it's, a, it's something different. It's a transition. It's a new way of thinking. And, and aren't what we're saying that, that wonder is acknowledging that what is, is not all there is? I mean, my current circumstance my current place in life as my son is four years old and saying, can I drive? I mean, what is is that he's four years old, but what could be is someday I'm going to be behind the wheel. We wake the wonder when we see and we acknowledge and we realize and we come to terms with the idea that what is is not all there is. What is is not all there is. There was a moment for me when I was in fifth grade and my principal called me to the office and I was in trouble a good bit, so it wasn't too much new to go visit him. And so I went to uh, his office and he said, Nate, do you know why you're here? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. I'm not giving him any information that he doesn't already know, okay? I have no idea why I'm here. And he says, we're going to start a leadership group in our school and we're going to divide the whole school into 24 squads. And he said, I've picked three I picked 23 sixth grade students to be the leaders of those squads. But I want you to know, Nate, that as a fifth grader, I want to ask you to lead squad number 24 because I see leadership in you. A principal that sat down with a fifth grade student. And can I tell you what happened in that moment sitting in his office that took me by surprise where he spoke something into me that had never been spoken to me to that point in my life? He said, I see leadership potential in you fifth grade student, Nate. And what came to life in me in that moment was wonder. There was a student in the last service who came up to me and said, when you started talking about your teacher, I started crying because I had a science teacher in the seventh grade that said, I think you have the potential to be one of my greatest students. He's graduated now. And he still remembers that moment of wonder. Could, could I be one of your best students? 
I mean, could I, could I be a leader? Mr. Hess was my principal. Could that be me, that, that wonder that was in me? Have any of you ever been a wonder instigator for someone else? Has there ever been a time when you looked at someone and you said, I see not what is right now, but what could be? I wonder what it would be like for the church, not just speaking about Xenia Naz, but the church in America. I wonder what it would be like if we saw the next generation, not for what they are now, not for what is right now, but for what they could be. Could we wake the wonder and acknowledge that, that what is right now is not really all there is? Last week it came out that Ohio was the number one, the number one place for heroin overdose deaths. As the first service was starting this morning, a lady walked up and she said, can I shake your hand, Nate? And I was like, okay, sure. I'm like, I'm not that famous. You want me to sign something too? I mean, but <laughs> sure, you can shake my hand. And I said, why? And she said, I just wanted to tell you. I just wanted to tell you that you're doing a good work. What you're doing is what it's all about. She said, I got a call this morning that my 24-year-old nephew passed away of a heroin overdose. She said, what you're doing matters. We got to get them while they're young. We got to invest into them while they're young. We have to get them when they're 13 before they ever try it the first time. Did you know that 14 years old is the average national age for the very first time that someone tries an opiate? Did you know that nine years old is the average age that a male in America views pornography for the first time, nine years old. It's got to be about the next generation, she said. She said, what you're doing is a big task, but keep on doing it. What if we, as a church, looked at the next generation? Yes, we have a drug problem. Yes, we have issues Yes, some teenager teenagers are entitled brats. <laughs> yes, there's issues. But guess what? Me and you have issues too. And there was once a time when God looked at us. Maybe when somebody ahead of us looked at us and said, you know what, I don't see you for what you are. I see you for what you can be. I can see beyond what is right now and I can see what could be because when God enters the equation, when the wonder of his grace enters the equation, it changes our perspective. It has to change our perspective because God is a God who changes things. He advances things. He changes people's life. He renews them from the inside out. He makes an old thing a brand new thing. He doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people come alive. And when we come alive to the wonder of his grace and the wonder that what is is not all there is, we don't begin to see all the problems and how big the problems are in our world and how big the problems are in the generation coming behind us and how they're all going to hell in a handbasket. And I don't know how we're ever going to make it. We begin to see not how big our problems are, but we begin to see how big our God is. And he is so much bigger than all of the problems that we see. What if we were awakened to the wonder that what is is not all there is? 
throughout Scripture, throughout Bible stories, there's always these moments where the people thought one thing was going to happen, where they expected one thing, and just like that, everything turned because God changed it. And he said, no, it's not what is. It's not what you see. It's the reason he asks us not to live by what we see, but to live by what we hope for. And when our hope is in him, that's when things change. He shifted it, and there was a moment that Jesus came to this earth, the Messiah, the one who would change everything. We wondered if we would ever have hope again. As mankind, we wondered if there would ever be a dream beyond this life and the adversity that we face and the hardships that we face, the depression that we face, the sickness that we face. Would there ever be a hope beyond that? And finally, Jesus, the Messiah, he came and he came in the form of a baby. And as onlookers and as kings traveled from miles away to come and worship him, they looked at him with wonder. But that wonder and that mission that he came to accomplish led him to a cross where he bled, died, and he suffered for me and for you. And in that moment, even his closest followers... His disciples fled the scene. And they ran away saying, I wonder how we got here. I mean, we followed this man for the last three years. We gave up everything we had and we followed him around. And we saw him do these miracles and I really thought he was the one. Did you know that even the people who were closest to Jesus, his disciples still did not believe that he was the son of God after following him around for three years of his ministry, healing people, raising the dead, healing blind eyes, feeding tens of thousands of people from two fish and five loaves of bread. I mean, they still didn't believe he was the son of God after following him for that long. Do you know how I know that? Because they would have been at the tomb. Ten. Nine. The son of God's coming. He's going to raise like he said he did. Five. Four. Three. But... They were nowhere to be found. I wonder how we were so misled. I mean, we followed this guy around and look, now he's dead. He's in a tomb. They even denied him, cursed him, denied that they ever knew him. I wonder how we got here. But Jesus changed the story because he did raise from the dead. And he revealed himself to people when he came back from the dead. And he awakened the wonder in the hearts of men and women again where they thought all hope was lost. They thought things looked bad. But then we were awakened to the beautiful wonder of who Jesus is. He is the resurrection and the life. And no man can come to the Father except through him because he changed the game. He awoken the wonder. In our hearts, the wonder was awakened when he raised from the dead. And where there was once death, where there was once confusion, where there was once, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, man, things are looking so bad. Oh, I hope nobody knows that I was associated with this man when things weren't good. There was a storyline being written by Jesus himself. What is, is not all there is. There is death. But in me there is life. What is, is trouble. 
and confusion and what will we do and where will we go and how will we figure this out on our own? And we thought we had hope, but now we have nothing. But in him, we have everything that we need. In him, we have eternal life. In him, we have hope beyond the trouble of this life because he has overcome the world. In him, there is wonder that goes beyond knowing that what is is not really all there is. There is hope for a generation in America. There is hope for a generation in Xenia, Ohio. And when Jesus came back, he taught his disciples. When he rose from the dead, he said, because I rose from the dead, guess what's going to happen now? Peace out. I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven. What? No, come on. We thought that our problems were solved. I mean, we took off when we thought you were dead. Sorry about that, Jesus. But now we're with you, all right? Because now you're the man. Everybody knows you raised from the dead, and you really are the God who you, who you say you are. You really did come from him. I mean, now's your time, Jesus. Overthrow the kingdom. Set up your kingdom here on earth. Show everybody who's boss, and we'll be right there with you. Can I be on your right? Can I be on your left? We want to be with you. And he says, sorry, guys. It's my time to go. But guess what? I'm going to commission you to do my work. But I know you can't do it on your own, because on your own, <laughs> you curse me as soon as things look bad. On your own, you run away and you scatter. You're about your own business at that point. I know you need something, and let me just tell you, I know you don't believe me now. I know what I'm telling you is what is, but I'm telling you that's not really all there is. I'm not just going to heaven because there's more to the story. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And you know why? It's in Acts 1.8. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Why am I sending you my Holy Spirit? So that you can tell other people about me. So that you can show other people who I am by the way that you live and the relationship that you have with me. So that you can begin to tell the story that what is is not really all there is. So that you can go and tell your neighbors and your friends and your family members that what is in their life is really not all there is. I'm going to give you a helper called the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a part of myself. I'm going to send my spirit so it's actually better for you if I go to heaven because I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit has the ability to reside in the hearts of men and women all over the planet. And my message will spread and my gospel will spread because I'm giving you my Holy Spirit so that you can become my witnesses. And you will be my witnesses telling people all about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I was looking up that ends of the earth because I, I always thought that that was purely just an extenuation of like, well, we can't obviously name all the places, right? So it's just kind of a broad statement that kind of covers it all, okay? Judea, Samaria, all the, you know, the ends of the earth, everywhere. But it's not just, it's not just place. Because before this, he talks about time. There will be a time... I want you to wait for me. I want you to go to this room and I want you to wait for me. And when you're in that place in time, I will send you my Holy Spirit to be with you so that you can become my witnesses. And this is actually better said, Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth for all time. It's time and place. How is a message passed to the end of all time. 
Any Old Testament readers? You've heard the stories, and they start with, I am the God of Abraham, generation 1, Isaac, generation 2, and Jacob, generation 3. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The message continues to the ends of the earth for all time when it's passed from one generation to the next. Did you know that the only proof that you ever existed will be the people behind you to tell about who you were? To tell about what you did for them? To tell about how you impacted their life? To tell about how you made a difference? It's why Paul called Timothy his son in the Bible and said, I want you, Timothy, I'm going to entrust some truths to you. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, Take these things, Timothy, that I've entrusted entrusted to you. Take this gospel message. Take it and pass it on to more reliable people who will then be able to pass it on to other reliable people who can carry this message. And did you know that we're here today because he sent his Holy Spirit to empower a group of men and women when he left this planet. We're here Because he gave us his spirit to be his witnesses to pass the wonder of God from generation to generation. What would happen if there were people in this room and in churches all over our community and all over our state and all over the U.S. who who got the heart that David had, who in fact had a heart after God's own, who said, God, just give me a few more days, even in my old age, in my gray hair, give me a few more days so that I can declare your wonder to the next generation. It was the heart of David who was connected to the heart of God who said, just give me some more years. Just give me a few more days. I have to tell the next generation about your wonder. I have to tell them about your all. I have to tell them that what is their life is really not all there is. There is hope for a future. There is good plans for a future. There is a Savior who can pull you out from what you see as your is and totally change it. Because what is is not all there is when you have Jesus. What is is not all there is when we look at the incredible grace of God who covers us and who took us from a dead person to a living person, who gave us a full and an abundant life. And he gives us his Holy Spirit, not so we can come to church on a Sunday, not so we can give some money and an offering, but so we can continue the wonderful message of the gospel the good news, and pass it from one generation to the next generation. Jesus was teaching. And crowds and multitudes of people followed him from place to place. And they were asking him things like, how do we handle divorce? How does that work, Jesus? They were asking him things like, hey, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom. I mean, look at, look at my Bible. <laughs> look how big my Bible is. Look how my church attendance is. Look how much money I give. 
Who will be the greatest in your kingdom, God? What, what do we do about the Sabbath day? I mean, I mean, how do we handle that, Jesus? They were asking all these questions, and, and they were recorded in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different accounts of the life of Jesus. They were four different people from four different perspectives who observed him and watched him and wrote down these details. And in three, if it's repeated three times in the Bible, it's important. If it's recorded three times in the Bible, it's very important. And three times it was recorded that Jesus honored the heart that David had. That the message would be for all generations. He echoed what the Old Testament said over and over and over again. I'm not just the God of Abraham. I'm not even just the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God for all generations to the ends of the earth, to the end of all time. I am he. And one day every knee will bow and tongue will confess because my message my gospel, my good news, my salvation will go to the ends of the earth. And Jesus held this up because in the midst of everybody questioning and being about their own business and their own agenda, and I wonder about this Jesus, and can you teach us about this Jesus? He shows up at a place and there's some parents and they bring their kids and the disciples say, no, Jesus doesn't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. You heard it, Sorry. His disciples said, no, don't, don't bring him. Don't bring these kids. Jesus has important stuff he's got to do. But this is what Jesus did. Because he knew that his mission was not just for the people in front of him. was not just for the generation in front of him. It was for the generations to come. Because his message and his story would go for all time. And this is what he said. Jesus said, let the little children come into me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. He says the same thing in Mark. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was, he was frustrated. Don't you get it? This is not about you. This is about you and them. It's not just about you and your agenda and what you like and what you want and what makes you comfortable and what makes you happy. I have time for the next generation. I don't only have time, I actually came from them. Because guess who the kingdom of God will be made of? The next generation. It's ones like these who will be my kingdom. He says the same thing in Luke. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Three times he said, do not hinder them. Do not hinder them. In other words, make it easy for the next generation to come to me. Wow. Make it easy. I want them. I want them to get to know me. Don't worry about their behavior. I mean, disciples, come on. If you only knew, Peter, you are in trouble. You are terrible. He even called Peter Satan one time. I mean, how hypocritical is that? No, you got to look a certain way. You got to fit into a certain box. You got you to be who we think you should be. No, make it easy for them to come to me. I'll work out the rest. I'll change their hearts. I'll change what is to what could be. Don't you guys worry about that. Make it easy. What if the church began to wonder, how could we make it easy for the next generation to come to Jesus? How could we make it easy for them to hear the gospel? And in fact, that's exactly what happened. As the story continues in Acts, he sent his Holy Spirit. 
some crazy things were happening. It was like a mighty rushing wind in this room. And people from all around Jerusalem at this time, there were people who spoke all kinds of different languages. And it was fulfilled exactly what Jesus said would happen. I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit to empower you. I know you can't do it on your own. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you so that you can be my witnesses. So there were all these people who came and they're, what is going on? There's a mighty rushing wind sound and it seems to be coming from here. And as they began to walk one step closer, they started hearing a message and everybody who spoke all of these different languages, they started hearing the gospel in their own language. They were accused of being drunk. And so Peter addresses the crowd and he says, no, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the Holy Spirit that's empowering us to do these things. And so Peter's addressing them in Acts chapter 2. And here's what he says. In the last days, God said, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. How, how, what kind of people? All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It was fulfilled that day that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel was made easy for everyone to understand in their own language. I wonder if we've been asking the wrong question in our churches. How do we reach more people? Maybe we should start small groups. And why well, I, I think more people would like this kind of music over this kind of music. And well, I think if we had this outreach program, then this would really work and we could get people in here. And I wonder if we've been asking the wrong question. How, how do we do this? I think God is much more concerned about the fruit of what we do than actually how we do it. Could it be that he's pleased when we come in here? And we have crazy lights bouncing around and it's a little bit hazy and foggy and you're wondering if something's wrong with your contact. <laughs> Could it be that feeling the bass in your chest a little bit just might make it just a little bit easier for the next generation to understand the gospel in their own language? I mean, when you think about the words of that song, only you can love me like that. You forget what I've done. You take me right back. One part says, you know me, and you still love me. I mean, I know there's like techno dance sounds in that song. I know it's a little loud. I know it's a little, there's some bass in there, and I, I know all of that. It's a little bit different. It's miles away from the red back hymnal. And let me just say this out front. I'm not against hymns. I'm not against the way that we did church 20 years ago. And I think a lot of that heritage should be brought in. And every young person in here, I want you to hear me from your leader. We should embrace the older generation and what has brought them to this point. An older generation, we should embrace the fact that what worked for us will not work for them. Do you see any student here carrying around a rotary telephone? No. In fact, every student in the room just looked at me like, what did you just say? What is that? And they already have their iPhone out Googling what a rotary phone is. They're picturing, they're seeing the picture right now, and they're like, what is this? While we honor the things that have brought us to our place in time where we've acknowledged Jesus Christ, we're married 
to the message that Jesus Christ, we will never divorce this. We're married to the message that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. And when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He was raised from the dead, we will be saved. We will never compromise that. That will always be our message to the end of time. However, we will date the model. We will marry the message, but we will date the model. The way that we get this message to the next generation will be different than the way the message got to you. The way that we get the message to the next generation will be different than the way that it got to me. And I'm not even that much older because our culture is changing so quickly. Are we working harder than the drug dealers? Are we investing more than the ones who market to our students that they should get a job at a strip club when they graduate? Did you guys see that on the news? These strip clubs are saying now hiring class of 2016. I mean, who's working harder here? We can choose to fight the next generation or we can choose to fund them. We can choose. We can make the decision that it's not about us. It's about them. I don't think it's a good thing to have a student ministry at a church. I don't think it's a good thing to invest into the lives of young people. I think we're failing and we can't even call ourselves a church if that's not our number one priority. Jesus came here to give his Holy Spirit so that it could live in us so that we could be his witnesses and make it easy for the next generation to come to him without any hindrance. It was his plan all along that the message would not stop with us. Could there be a day, like Acts 20 says, young men will, will see visions and old men will dream dreams. You know, one of the dreams that my dad had is that the churches in this community, when he was a youth pastor in this city 30 years ago, he tried to get churches together to partner and agree on the 90% that we all agree on and leave the 10% alone for the sake of coming together as a unified church in Xenia. You know what? It never happened. It never happened like he wanted it to happen. But you know what's going to happen tonight? Right across the street at Zena Community Center, there's going to be a couple hundred kids from six different churches that are coming together. And in the fall, we're going to start doing that. In the fall, we're going to start doing that once a month in September. Every youth ministry in Xenia is going to be coming together and having a combined night called Unite. It was the dream of my father passed down to me. I remember him talking about it. Son, I just wish churches would work together. Son, I just wish the church would be the church and not the Nazarene church and not the whatever AHOP is and not the Methodist church and all these different. I wish we would just be the church who follows Jesus. And it was the dream that he passed on to me that became my vision for the future. Maybe your dreams are not dead they're just meant to be passed on to someone behind you. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Could in the end days that we're living in, in the end times that we're living in, where the only thing left to happen, the only other great awakening to happen is when Jesus actually comes back again for us. Is it any wonder to you? Have you ever wondered and pondered, hmm, I wonder why it had to be his son to save the world. I mean, he sent Noah 
He sent laws through Moses. He sent prophetic words through prophets like Elijah. He expanded his message through kings like David. Ah, that didn't work either. My people still need me. Why didn't he send his chief angel to be our rescuer, to be our savior? His greatest awarded knight of valor in heaven. Why didn't he choose to send his best friend? Why do you think it is that our enemy in the Bible is called the father of lies? Because to father something, you plant a seed that continues from generation to generation. God sent his son. It had to be his seed. It had to be his son to continue the message from generation to generation. Is it any wonder then that we are now called not the nephews of God, not the nieces of God, not the best friends of God. We are called the sons and daughters because we have the call through his Holy Spirit to inject seeds into our culture that will break the barriers of generations so that his message and his word and his good news can continue for now throughout all time. What is, is not all there is. What we see, is not all there is to see. I pray that somehow this morning, something awoke in you. That dream that you had before is awakened and came to life in you. There are many ways that you can do this. First, in our homes. I mean, I wonder what it would be like for me to show my kids what Jesus looks like instead of telling them. I wonder what kind of difference it could make in their life if I showed them how to treat a woman by the way I treated my wife. If I showed them what it looked like to do the hard right thing instead of the easy wrong thing. I wonder what would happen in our homes if we decided that, man, what is our life right now is not all there is. I have the capacity because of Jesus and his Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus himself in my home to my kids. Could something come to life and to wonder in us what would happen if we began to invest even just a couple hours a month teaching young kids in our kids' wing? We're not just babysitting. We're fulfilling the Great Commission. We're fulfilling the reason that He gave us His Holy Spirit in the first place. To invest into the next generation. To lead them forward. What would it look like if we said, I want to volunteer, Nate, at the cleft one Friday night a month. Did you know that there are 2,500 students in Xenia and a thousand of them have been through the doors of the community center at the cleft? And we're teaching them things like, if you want what few people want, then do what few people do. And you know how you do that? You take the narrow road. You take the narrow path. And we present the gospel. And students are being saved. And students are knowing that they're cared cared for by someone older than them. They're cared for. They're being pursued by someone other than the drug dealer. They're being pursued by someone other than the culture. They're being pursued by someone other than the one inviting them to the party. We're teaching them about Jesus. We're investing into the next generation. And this church is a part of that. And you can be a part of that. There's a card 
in the seat next to you. And it's got several ways that you can be involved. You can, you can coach or you can mentor a student. You can meet with them once a month and just ask them what's going on in their life. In this generation, listening and loving are so closely related that most students can't tell the difference. They just want somebody to listen to them. They just want there to be an environment where the Holy Spirit can begin to work on things in their life and you can begin to point them in the right way and say, you know what, I went through this at, my, at your age and I went through this even last week and here's how God helped me through it and here's how you can do life better and here's how you can live better. You could be a mentor or a coach. You could uh, help financially sponsor a student to go on a trip where some wonder might come to life inside of them. You can volunteer at the cleft. You can financially support the cleft. There's so many ways that you can get involved. And we put a few of them here on the back of the card. And I'm going to ask Clay to come back up and he's going to play something behind me. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the next three minutes. And maybe Amanda, we can just turn a track on while Clay's coming up. But I want you to have a moment where you ask God here, God, how do you want me to fulfill your call? To make it easy and understandable and take your gospel message to the next generation. It's not the responsibility of a youth pastor alone. It's not the responsibility of the youth pastor's leaders. Although all of our leaders are great, it's the responsibility of every single believer to continue the message of Jesus by passing it on to the next generation. So how will you do that? And maybe the way you do that, it's not even on this card, and that's fine. There are a lot of ways to do that. But if you would read through this and you would say, you know what, my heart jumps at that. I feel like God may be leading me toward that. We just want you to write your name on here and just, just check the circle. And at the end of the service, I just want you to bring it up here and just drop it right here. Just drop it right up front. We'll collect them. We'll contact you. We'll help you do that. We want to make it easy for you 